Everyone has a story, and I believe that sharing your story has the power to connect people. I'm a working mom, wife, and seeker, and nothing lights me up and brings me more joy than having meaningful conversations. And one of the things I love to talk about is psychedelics. In December 2021, I experienced my first psychedelic journey with psilocybin. It was one of the most profound events in my life, and it opened me up to a deeper spiritual growth and helped me to heal. And now, talking to those who've experienced the therapeutic magic of psychedelics and hearing about their personal journey has become my passion. Mindful Trip is a safe space to have conversations that demystify and destigmatize the use of plant medicines. Conversations that allow us to have deeper connections with ourselves and others. I hope that sharing these intimate, funny, and inspiring stories helps you find the answers you're looking for. A wise friend said to me, all you can do is follow the threads and see where it takes you. So I hope you'll join me in unraveling the threads, staying open, and trusting the journey. This is Mindful Trip. Mindful Trip content and the views, thoughts, and opinions of the host, guests, and contributors is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional legal advice or medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Consult with the medical provider or mental health care professional about your health-related questions. Mindful Trip does not encourage illegal activity, including but not limited to the illegal sale, purchase, or use of controlled substances. Thanks so much for joining. I'm really excited about today's episode. So get ready for a wild ride that includes a fire-breathing dragon, a talking tree, and a lot of laughs during this conversation. My guest is Pammy Jackson. Pammy is the founder of the Psychedelic Sisterhood based in Brooklyn, New York. Pammy began her healing journey with psychedelics in 2015 after a transformative spiritual awakening with ayahuasca. And with the Psychedelic Sisterhood, she's dedicated to providing a sacred space for growth, healing, and women's empowerment through psychedelics. Your support means a lot, so please subscribe, download, and share with friends and family. I'd also love to hear what resonates for you with this episode, so send me your comments. Hi, Pammy. Thanks so much for joining me for my first episode of Mindful Trip. I'm really, really excited to have you, and we have so much to talk about. Yes, thank you for having me, and I'm excited to be your first guest. I have so many questions for you. So just like, give me a little brief background on um, on how you grew up. You know, did you grow up with a religious background or non-denominational? Was there spirituality? So I grew up in a Baptist uh, background. Um, so that, so my parents were very involved when they were kids. And so they, you know, naturally wanted the, their family to be in uh, religion as well. It was interesting growing up in the church being very young because you don't really understand a lot of what's going on and, and it felt like a bit of an indoctrination before I was able to understand um, and then growing up a little bit later like being 12 13 years old I realized I didn't really resonate a lot with religion or at least organized religion as I've been taught 
did that affect you as you, you know, got into adulthood? I hadn't really thought about seeking anything additional um, because I, I don't know. I think religion really wasn't like my first thought. Like I didn't wake up thinking like I got to do Christian things. So, or I got to pray first. So that was just never part of the things that I did every day. I also grew up, you know, being a pleaser. So I didn't know how to disagree in a way that expressed how I was feeling. Um, so a lot of those questions that I had went unanswered, unfortunately. And it kind of built this found this kind of unsturdy foundation for me spiritually. So, you know, tell me a little bit about what was going on in your life um, prior to you deciding that you're going to try psychedelics for therapeutic purposes. Yeah. So, I mean, part of that journey of after leaving the church, I, it even encouraged me to move um, from home, which right now, like my parents are in Indiana, I was living there for a good, good deal of my life. Um, so I moved to New York City and I was like, I wanted to start my kind of like my own life and just kind of start learning who I was and what I was on this planet to do, like my purpose. And, um, and then I quickly got caught up in the New York lifestyle and the hustle mentality. So even though I came here with this very like open, like, I'm going to find out who I am, I quickly fell into, um, you know, in a career that was quite toxic. Um, it was a, I was in the fashion industry and it wasn't, um, I didn't realize at the time that it wasn't something that was good for me. For my body, my spirituality. I just knew that it was something that I, I wanted to check off the box of a career. I wanted to check off the box for, you know, a, a relationship and possible marriage. I wanted to check off the box of, you know, having, you know, enough abundance and wealth that I didn't have to worry about, you know, um, you know, food insecurity, homelessness, all that. I was checking all the boxes. I was pretty secure on paper. And then I realized I was very, very unhappy. And I didn't, because I didn't have that foundation of, like I was saying earlier, that kind of people pleaser kind of um, personality that that wasn't connected to me at all. That wasn't connected to what I wanted or who I was as a person. So I think that disconnect there with doing all the things and still being unhappy, I had to really do some deep work and I started doing therapy as well. And I know just doing some deep work with like, why am I unhappy if I am seemingly on the outside, very successful. And that kind of brought me to thinking about alternative ways of just being or understanding um, of how life worked. Um, because when I was going to therapy, Therapy was okay. It was good to talk things out, but I didn't really, I didn't realize there were so much things under the surface that I had, you know, um, that was unseen that I couldn't bring up in therapy because I didn't realize what was there. I didn't realize the things that I didn't know, you know, so I, I spent a good deal of my time, you know, with and frustrated after therapy being like, oh, it's great that I talked about these things. But I wake up the next day and I still feel the same. Like, what, what gives? <laughs> so that led me to really led me to researching alternative types of um, healings. The one quote that I read in an article 
that um, start really started the uh, journey into psychedelics or just being aware of there being something other was it was saying that um, one night with this medicine was like seven years of therapy. And I was like, well, I've been in therapy for a couple years now. <laughs> so this sounds pretty great. I can save some money. <laughs> so, so I started looking into um, whatever that was. And, and the first thing I had found, which it just showed up in, uh, and I think there is this idea when you want to search for something, it comes to you. And so I was having this moment where, you know, that quote had came through and then I just randomly found this podcast that was you know I I podcast I listen to all the time but for whatever reason this podcast was like different from all the others and it was talking about ayahuasca and when I was hearing about that and and I was like okay well this seems to be beneficial in a way and at the time I didn't know anything about psychedelics I didn't understand um, really what happened to you, you know, your brain and, you know, biologically and everything, blood brain barrier, none of that. I didn't understand that so much later, but it just sounded like relief. And that's what led me to, it was like, I just need relief because I was really mentally, I was in a tough place and spiritually, I hadn't realized at the time I was in a tough place because I was having that disconnect to myself for my mind and my body was not together was not talking to each other you know and um and it was just really like and it was almost like I, I could feel all these things that I wanted to achieve or I wanted to go after but it was like there was a veil over everything and I was like I feel I, I don't know if you've ever like sometimes you get man, I was like a deja vu or a feeling or something if you like walk by someplace, you're like, oh, I feel like sometimes your spidey senses get, you know, alert and you're like, I feel slightly unsafe. Why is that? Um, it was kind of like a similar feeling, but it was a feeling like I, I can feel that there's something on the other side that's for me, but I can't quite access it. And, um, and I, and to me, ayahuasca sounded like a perfect thing to like kind of jumpstart that sort of you know that, that awareness that I was looking for um, I mean a lot of people have said the same thing I remember even for myself mm -hmm. is that you know it calls to you when you are ready mm -hmm. whether it's ayahuasca or psilocybin LSD you know any of the psychedelic um, uh, you know, therapeutic purposes mm -hmm. psychedelic plant medicines so um, I mean, this is so interesting because I feel like our our um, our journeys, you know, towards the psychedelic therapeutic use mm -hmm. has been very similar. Um, so you felt like it called to you, right? Mm -hmm. And then, what did you do next? Did you just kind of do a deep dive into researching as much as you could, and reading, and talking to people, or listening to podcasts, watching videos? Like, I'm curious as to like what you did next. Yeah, absolutely. Because before this, I had zero, like, absolutely no experience with psychedelics whatsoever, let alone barely a, a knowledge about marijuana, barely. <laughs> 
Um, and because like growing up in a Christian household, like it, drinking and smoking wasn't part of you know our everyday. It wasn't even part of like even weekends. You know, like it was just something we didn't do. I had to really kind of learn from just the ground up about everything, and then not only learning about different substances and what they could do. Because um, the first thing really was ayahuasca. I didn't learn about the rest, like psilocybin, and, and more in-depthly learned about cannabis and um, MDMA and other things until much later, and how they were used there pretty much later. Um, but I, um, yeah, I just, I dove right in. I was podcasts, it was articles, it was YouTube, it was... Um, read it it was it was everything and then I even I start speaking about it to my friends I'm like this is something that's interesting have you heard about this and a couple of my friends are really interested as well and they and then we both started you know all three of us started researching different places that we could go because it's not legal in the states but it's legal in South America and a few other places so we were looking in I believe we we're looking in Colombia and Peru um and the place that I was, that I had first heard about on the podcast was in Peru. So that definitely was my first instinct to look in Peru, for sure. Um, and so I was researching a bunch of places. And then, um, and then I, we found some place. We found some place where they had English speakers, because unfortunately, my Spanish is garbage. Um, <laughs> so I needed a place where I could, you know, understand and speak with speak with the folks and, and just understand like the whole aspect of what a retreat was. That's what I was doing. I was looking for a ayahuasca retreat uh, center. And I really needed to have the conversation with the facilitators, with the people running the space of, of what they were doing, you know, with, you know, the, or how they got into doing what they do and, and wanted to make sure that it was safe for me, safe for my friends. And I found a place where there are folks from Arizona that had made a, a space in um, Pucalpa, Peru. And so then when I found that they were American, then I was like, it has, it's really important that they are completely intertwined with, you know, with Pucalpa, with the space, with the spaces around them. And they're using indigenous folks from there and they're really supporting the communities and um just you know not just popping down and be like oh we have a space for for americans i really it was really important that i knew there was a a give and take like an equal um equal reciprocity with their um retreat and the surrounding uh village uh villages and and they seemed pretty good and my friends are signed up to it i signed up and i put my deposit down and then it came to it close to coming to the, going to the retreat uh my friends are like ah we can't go anymore so I'm just like oh I'm doing this by myself okay <laughs> and as as it happens sometimes yeah. right yeah right. which I wasn't mad but I was just like all right I guess I got to do this alone which uh honestly was more of a blessing than anything like I obviously I would have loved if they would have come with me but there is this thing where when you go with people or when you do something with people that you know something very deep and very like vulnerable and like like that sometimes you don't open up completely so i'm really glad that i was able to experience it on my own and because like 
you have that feeling of, oh, I'll never see these people again. Who cares now? <laughs> How loud I cry. Nobody cares. <laughs> so that was, that was a lot of what was going through my mind when I was going. And I ended up just meeting a bunch of really great people. And it just, it felt almost like a summer camp, like a spiritual summer camp. Like it was really a beautiful space. Very real. They, made sure everyone felt welcomed and comfortable, gave us so much education about what was going on, what they were doing, everything about the medicine, provided meals, like everything was just like all encompassing. So I felt really, I really felt really taken care of and I really appreciated um, everything that they provided. It was just wonderful. What's the name of the, um, the, the place that you went to in Peru? So the place is called Nimakaya, N-I-M-E-A-K-A-Y-A. And they are a retreat. I believe they have, I want to say nine-day retreats. Um, they used to have two packages, nine days and 14 days, but I think they started with just nine days. And there's three ceremonies within those nine days. How were you feeling when you first got there? All the feelings. <laughs> I was terrified, then excited, then happy then confused, then really excited again. And yeah, so a, a lot of, <laughs> so a lot of the, the just arriving was like the roller coaster of emotions. But once I was there in the facility and speaking with the folks, it was, it was nonstop just excitement. Um, and because everyone there was, well, most of the people there were solo travelers. So they were also kind of, in that space of we're doing this together. When you got there yeah. the first day, maybe just kind of quickly walk me through, you know, what the process was, mm -hmm. ceremonies, and then we're going to really get into like the nitty gritty because I really want to hear about, you know, in great detail the experience because I think a lot of people are always really curious about mm -hmm. the actual experience and like what happens when you are in a psychedelic journey. Yeah. Um, so I would love to hear, you know, what, just give me this, a sense of kind of the, the process that happened as you got there. First, it was the first day was purely just a welcoming, um, educational day. Um, they, you know, talked about the facility, we're able to talk with each other, all, all the guests and the staff and everything. And there are volunteers there that are really excited to share, you know, why they decided to devote, you know hours and, and maybe sometimes even months of their time, you know, with the medicine. And the next day was our first day to really be into the full experience, be fully immersed. And that was, and we were um, making ayahuasca for, for the group. And because they, they had a, um, the vine on their property. So they would get some of that um, for each time they had a new group. So they taught us about that and they get really uh, educated us on how it's made and, and what properties were involved with that. So we'd fully, fully understand like science and the health and all that, fully understand how the process went. Um, and then after that, we were really, um, we had like an educational program where they spoke more about it and then that next day after that, that's when we had our very first ceremony. And majority of the people that were there, it was their first time. There were a handful that were, it was, you know, maybe a third or fourth time. But this was definitely my first time. So I was completely terrified. 
my anxiety was through the roof, but I was really excited because I'd heard so many good things. And the challenging things that I did hear, somehow they didn't scare me away. Somehow they, because I'm not, I'm not um, a stranger to challenges. So, <laughs> so the challenges actually seemed um, doable. At least I hope they seem doable. And, um, and yeah, that first time was, was very gentle, actually. It was the most gentle that I had thought, because, you know, you read all the things, you hear fantastical stories. Um, and the first time was actually pretty gentle compared to it. Partially, I'm sure my expectation was like, you know, very high. <laughs> um, so that's probably why uh, it was mild for me. I would love for you to talk a little bit more about the actual experience, you know. Um, yeah. I think that's something that people are really curious about. Mm -hmm. they um have read or they've heard from other people who have you know tried different mm -hmm. psychedelics and then they don't really know what to expect right there's a mm -hmm. lot of fear there's a lot of anxiety so did you you know typically i think the things that you hear about is that you know you obviously see hallucinations and visions and images mm -hmm. and people's faces um or you know you'll have kind of a, a either a magical and mystical experience or a very challenging one, right? Or right. maybe a combination of both. Or there's a, for me, it's always a combination of the two plus additional that <laughs> he hadn't, hadn't thought about. Um, I, I mean, I think for the first one, as gentle as it was, it wasn't very visual. It wasn't, I didn't go to any fancy lands and it wasn't uh, a roller coaster ride so much but really it was tuning I think it would, felt like it was tuning me up towards um, a much bigger journey or just you know getting me comfortable in the space um, it, to me it felt like lucid dreaming a bit it felt like a dream that I could access and also take myself out of and the one thing that I do one thing that I know people really do get scared about ayahuasca is like losing themselves and not having control over their body. And something that's really amazing about it is you're having all these visuals and all these things happen while your eyes are closed and you're in deep meditation. But like once you open your eyes, like say if you have to use the restroom, once you open your eyes, you're pretty much back in reality, I guess you can say in reality. Um, you're back and you can get to the bathroom. You might be a little wobbly and colors might be swirling a little bit, but you know, you have full autonomy and you're not in such a state where you can't, you know, you're like totally out of it and you don't know where you are. Like, uh, and which I'm really glad that that's how it is. But once you get settled back into your, your meditative state and you have your eyes closed, and you really start concentrating, that's when those visions come back and those feelings come back. And for me, the first time was almost like, you know how uh, I hear about people seeing a life review um, right before their time of death? It was some, similar to that. I was seeing various moments in my life that I hadn't been able to access, you know, just in, I guess, waking life. Um, and some of those things were seeing challenging experiences during my life from a different perspective. Uh, for, I'll give you an example. Um, something came up with my parents and, you know, I was harboring lots of resentment when I left um, Indiana and came to New York, harboring a ton of resentment about how I was raised, you know, my childhood. Maybe I didn't feel like I was loved enough or I spent enough time with us. 
and and something that happened in that in that journey was it showed me how um, difficult my parents' lives were when they were growing up, and how much they were trying their best to um, build a safe environment for us. And even though, like I guess my standards as a child. <laughs> Heaven forbid I have standards. Um, I get, and even though I feel like as an adult, some of those times could have been done better, um, I also recognize that they did the best that they could with what they had. And that alone helped me to start unlocking the resentment that I had for them and start really doing a deep dive and, and, and encourage conversations with them. And asking, you know, this happened, you know, at this time, at this age, why did that happen? What was happening here? You know, and not in a way that was like accusatory or, you know, with a spotlight. I mean, like, why did this happen on April 19th, you know, 1981? Did it feel Mm -hmm. like when you were kind of having this life review and, Mm -hmm. you know, going through some of the more emotional and painful moments from your childhood? Did it feel almost like you were separate from it? In a sense, it's it's almost like you were just more yeah. observing, or was it that you were really in it and you and you were feeling all the emotions? Oddly enough, it was a it was a combination of both. And I think in in waking life, when I had the resentment, I'm thinking about them only from my perspective of living through it. And this allowed me to kind of look over my shoulder as it was happening, still feeling the feelings in real time of, of that moment, but also looking over my shoulder and seeing myself, my parents, whoever else was involved, you know, as kind of players in this play or actors in this play and being like, oh, well, clearly, and then able to look at it in a logical standpoint versus a very emotional standpoint, because um, I mean, I don't know how other people operate, but personally for me, when things get very emotional, sometimes too emotional, I will shut down and I'm not able to um, sort of uh, navigate, you know, how I feel or or how best to operate in that situation. And this totally allowed me to to separate myself or disassociate it from enough, from it enough to where I could um, sort of see what was happening actual in actuality without emotion and see where maybe I could have done something different or maybe where I had this very distinct thought process where it could be more harmful for me versus you know having breeding more more compassion and understanding in that moment and I think that that's 100% what I wants to help me with is finding those moments of compassion and understanding that I didn't know existed um, and I'm so grateful for that. It, it, I still hold um, those lessons, not just for my past, but for my present, for how I treat people in the future, like with everything. I'm so much more compassionate and I have my allowance for just everything is, is so much different. So this was the first night. The first night. The yes. night. Mm-hmm. Easing into. So. Um, I know one of the questions that people do ask is, even though it was a gentle first night, mm-hmm. did you experience any, like, did you throw up? Did you have yes. bodily, you know, functions that were <laughs> happening? Because I know that's yes. those are the things that people are really concerned about, and it really stops them from trying any of it. 
that is a continuous conversation I have with folks, um, with my organization, is they ask me about the experience. They're like, but I just don't want to throw up in front of people. And I'm just like, well, honey, I mean, it's part of the process. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so there is a period of purging that happens. Um, and it happens different times during the night, which is funny if, if, you know, people are familiar with the psychedelic space or with familiar with the ayahuasca ceremony space. It's like everyone is waiting for that first person to purge <laughs> and they're just, everyone's trying to hold it. Like, I don't want to be the first one. <laughs> so once the first person goes then you're free to do it, <laughs> but, um, but purging most definitely, um, will happen. Um, doesn't happen always, but um, if it's not with, you know, with vomiting, sometimes it's also with, it can be with coming out the other end, which I, one time I had an experience with, and I'm glad it had never happened again. Um, and, but it could be a lot of things. It could be tears. It could be yawning, which I experienced, and it could be um, passing gas, which there was someone at the retreat that never for all three of the ceremonies, never vomited. They passed gas the entire time and belts the entire time. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> You're most vulnerable, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Either you think, I'm never going to see these people ever again. So yeah. I'm gonna just do it. Let it, let it do what it needs to do, or you're like just so embarrassed that you start to like try and figure out how to control everything. It's obviously not a good way to no want to let it out. Let it out. Um, so yeah, that was definitely humorous for the group for sure. <laughs> um, and then also uncontrollable laughter is also another another thing. Um, which I mildly experienced. It wasn't uncontrollable, but like I do remember one point someone was giggling like uncontrollably and it caused the rest of the group to giggle. So that, I mean, that was like kind of like, I was like the last ceremony. I was like on a happy ending to the whole event. But, um, but yeah, so purging is most definitely part of it. Um, just shows up in different ways for sure. And I wish I could help people with their fear of, of, you know, vomiting in front of others, but it's, it's going to happen. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so this was the first night. How many, so just remind me again, how many um, ceremonies did you actually do within the, the nine days that you were there? I did three. So within the three ceremonies, which one did you find was kind of the most, um, and I don't want to say transformative or the most meaningful because obviously each night was. Was there one night there that was more challenging challenging than the other, or was there one that you, you just felt like it was such a mystical experience that you just you still remember every detail of it? Oh yeah, the second night, <laughs> the second ceremony was beyond anything I could even ever imagine. Like if I if someone had tried to explain it to me, I would have been like, "You're crazy. That's not going to happen. This is." So what, and, happened? what happened? I completely lost sense of uh, what was real and what wasn't for a brief moment for a few hours. It was, but not in a way that was scary where I was like, who am I? What is everything? But in a way that felt like the worlds were, were bridging together and, and you're kind of seeing beyond into another dimension or another uh, um 
layer of what our reality is that we can't see. And that was an incredible, very incredible. And I'll start telling you how it goes if I can gather my thoughts. Um, well, I will say for one thing, that one starting, because when I started with the anxiety with the first one, it was like mild anxiety. It was like, oh, I've never done this before, whatever, whatever. So when it came to the second ceremony, anxiety was completely different. Like it was like an elephant was sitting on my chest. Like I couldn't breathe. And when, when, um, after I had consumed ayahuasca and it was starting to come on and it was almost immediate. The first night was almost like an hour before I felt anything. And this night was almost immediate. Like I would say 15, 20 minutes in the anxiety was super intense. It started off with, Have you ever felt like you were going to like pass out and you're seeing like static? Like it started off with that and I started having ringing in my ears and I was like, something's very wrong. And I started to panic. And I think that's really what kicked off the panic attack. And I was like, it's okay. You know, we're just, just going to breathe. And, and something that, you know, in, in ceremony, they usually tell you is if you feel at any time you feel a discomfort, always go back to your breathing. Your breathing will bring you back to center. It will ground you. And so that's what I was doing. I went back to my breathing and then it came on so much stronger. And, and, um, and the thing that they have a system where some of the volunteers there, you can ask them for help if you're feeling uncomfortable or if you're feeling like you need some fresh air. So I definitely need a fresh air. So, um, and in the, the space that we have us, it almost looks like it, it's a circular room called a maloka. And it's all wood, has screens all around. Um, so it looks almost like a yoga studio, like a circular yoga studio. And um, and even though there are the, there's open windows and, and, you know, it's there are no closed doors. It just felt so suffocating. And I was just like, I need to just go outside. So I went outside. Um, the helper helped me out. And um, there's like a bench out there. And of course, we're in this beautiful jungle. So we have like, we're surrounded by trees and flowers. And it's a starry night, the clear sky. And this was when the trip first started happening. So I was like, oh, there's stars. I love looking at the stars. Like, cool, that now I feel I'm more comforted because I'm looking at stars. And then the stars started to like swirl a little bit, and there's a grid pattern in between all the stars. And I'm just like, okay, what's happening? <laughs> just breathe. And so, like, I'm starting to see all these visual things now, open eyed visuals that I'm just not understanding. But even though it's interesting, it's not scary, it's just very like, I've never experienced this before. And then, um, and I was telling my friend about this the other day, but far off in the distance, there's this particular tree. And you know, some trees have like the green side and then like the white side underneath. So I'm like seeing the trees doing this. So I'm just like, oh, hi tree. Are you talking to the tree? (laughs) And and I was like telling the helper, I was like, this tree's talking to me. He's like, yeah. (laughs) And, And then when I said that, the tree like flopped even more. I was like, oh, should I hi I, I see you and I like it was excited that I noticed its presence and for a long time I have told people that story and being like yeah I know it's crazy but that's that's how I was feeling and that's what I saw but then after that moment I, I felt good I was able to breathe so I went back in and sat into meditation and it was quite the journey 
quite the journey. Um, it was definitely more fantastical than, um, than the first night. The first night was a lot of things that happened in my past and in my present. And this was more so kind of uh, visualizing different lands and different entities and kind of getting some messages from different places about um, I, one vision that I had was I was watching a dragon destroying the earth, essentially, um, kind of blowing fire on it. And of course, global warming was a big, is a big thing that's like constantly on my mind. So I'm, I'm wondering if that had something to do with it, but, <clears throat> but I was watching the dragon dragon obviously looks scary, but I'm just like, but I'm like, okay, well, Clearly, you're like a dream or a figment of my imagination. So I was like, let's just interact with this dragon. And I was like, hey, dragon, like, what are you doing? And, um, well, not like that, but <laughs> but it was more so like, you know, why are you destroying the earth? Like, do you not want us to live here? Like, do you want us to live on the planet? And he essentially was just like, this happens. This has happened for eons, happens over and over. And I'm not necessarily destroying it for any particular reason like why are you doing this to me you know that doesn't exist it has to be destroyed so it can have a beginning and I was like oh okay so that taught me how to emotionally separate myself from good and bad in a way and to assess every um, situation with okay what are we learning from this how can we assess it you know is there a way to have um, an outcome that would be beneficial for me or for others, you know, and it kind of separated me again with the emotions. And I didn't realize how emotionally driven I was um, throughout my life. And ayahuasca was really showing me about how um, emotions were keeping me in, in such a prison. It was bringing things up there then, but I hadn't fully encompassed everything that was happening until after I got back to New York maybe probably like maybe months after like it was a continuous six months of um things coming up because so much was happening during my vision like even when I'm explaining some things there was a lot more that happened that it was just so much information that I can't remember all of it you know like a dream that you wake up from you're like oh I remember there was a dream but kind of in that same sense so um, for the past six months afterwards, those things start coming up. So I was definitely feeling that um, when, when uh, those emotions would come up later on, months later, um, I was reminded about how, how those feelings were repressed and, and I was just now sort of able to identify those things that I was feeling and attaching those things to actions that I had in the past and attaching them to how I felt about, you know, making judgments in the future or in the present. Um, and that was quite the journey, even after all the ceremonies, was just realizing like, oh, I actually don't like this. Oh, me and this person are actually aren't friends because they are manipulative and abusive, you know, things like that would come up. And just like, epiphanies and and just realizations that kept popping up after um that entire trip can you share what were some of the feelings that you had repressed that started to come up in the second night of the ayahuasca ceremony well definitely the drive that i had for you know working as hard as i did in the career that i had as a designer even though i love to create 
um, I had convinced myself that this is something that I needed to do in order to be relevant, in order to, you know, um, feel worthy, feel have self-worth. And I attached a lot of my self-worth to the success of my career. And when I was, you know, not having a great time at my job and really depressed, even though I was, you know, making good money and in a good place, it was... Um, I think that's what I was feeling when, um, when I was like, well, I don't know what to do and I need to go to therapy because I'm so unhappy and I don't know why. It's because I wasn't realizing that I was, that I wasn't connected. That I wasn't connected to myself. Instead, I was connecting myself to my, my job and myself worth to something external than myself. And that's something that, that came up right away, immediately. And it's so hard because I think especially in in the US. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it is in other countries, but I do feel like in the US there is um there is this extra pressure to always be productive, to be successful career-wise. Mm-hmm. And for that to really define who you are as a person. And you know, I know a lot of people including myself where if you leave a very high-powered job or a corporate position, you do feel a little bit at loss, especially if you've dedicated, you know, 10, 15, 20 years of your career path on a very specific trajectory. And then all of a sudden something happens, either you lose your job or, you know, you decide that you want to pivot in some way. With everything that I've been learning, you know, through my journeys with psychedelics, I don't allow that to define me either of of their approval of what I'm doing. I don't allow that to, um, define what I'm doing and how I feel about it. And and that's huge hurdle because, you know, like I told you before, I was kind of raised a people pleaser. So that's all I cared about. <laughs> so to separate myself from that and stand on my own two feet, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, like it's an incredible transition. I mean, it's incredible that you were able to just within after the second night of doing the ceremony, right? Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. not only did just feelings and repression, repressed feelings from your childhood come up. Mm-hmm. But then now you're able to really kind of dig deep and figure out kind of the source of why. Because I think mm-hmm. that's also the hardest thing is trying to figure out why, why you have these patterns of behavior, why you've made certain choices in your life, right? Or why you continue to do certain things. Yeah. So, I mean, the people pleasing, I think that's so many people I think can relate to that because I think that is a, you know, a big driving factor, even with social media, right? Mm-hmm. Seeking validation, people pleasing. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, for you, now that all these feelings, these repressed feelings were coming up in the second night, like, what did you do with that? Well, so that's where integration comes into play (laughs) i think at the time i didn't really understand that after you have something that's well you i guess you can put it on par as a ceremony on par with something traumatic just because it's pushing you so far out of what you know and if you don't know how to process it it can either a be re-traumatizing or b kind of keep you in this in this very difficult or uncomfortable limbo of not knowing like where do I go from here and um integration wasn't something that I understood and integration is 
for those, you know, yes. there are people out there that don't know it. Explain what integration is for those yeah. who may not know, because it, it is a word that seems very technical. Yeah, yeah. So integration is when you have, like, say, a ceremony or something come up during a meditation, something just, something very powerful that's, if not off-putting, it's just very, uh, it's, it's, it's jolting to your system. And... Um, and in in the psychedelic space, it happens very often with like heroic doses of either ayahuasca, mushrooms. Um, it can even happen with THC, LSD, anything. Um, it just puts you in the space of, of of needing to understand what's happening and, and how to apply it. And what integration does, it can be anything from talking to a therapist, talking to you know a support group, um, journaling, having a journaling. Um, a, routine of journaling um or even just you having a space for yourself to uh be aware of what happened and and kind of plot out or plan out what that means for you and for your future um and uh and I didn't know how to do any of that (laughs) I was just like oh these things go back to work. Um, and, and I spent the next year or so, uh, dealing with that in a way that I feel was unhealthy. I mean, it was an experience that I had like afterward, I be, because I, I was still felt, I went after six months, I went back to that same feeling of, I still feel incomplete. I still feel, um, uncertain about my life. And it's because I didn't take those lessons that I had and said, well, this is teaching me this, let's do this. And instead I went back to another ceremony place. Um, and I didn't go back to Peru, but it was actually here in, in the city, but they, um, we had a ceremony every weekend for the next two months, which I would not recommend to anyone because that's just, it's kind of like feeding yourself self-help books and self-help videos without applying the information. So, um, so I found myself staying in that space and also staying in that space of I I'm broken. I need to fix myself. I lost to teach me how to fix myself. And at some point, um, after like the second month, uh, I was just like, stopped showing me any visions. It stopped um, showing me anything, you know, uh, that was helpful. Nothing presently, nothing fantastically. And I'm just like, oh, has it stopped working? Like, what's happening? And I and I got the message that, you know, we keep showing you all these lessons. We keep showing you things. You have to start applying those things. Like, you can't do anything beyond make you aware of everything. We're not fixing you. We can't fix you. You have to fix yourself. So I ended up, so after that, I, it was a huge lesson. And from there, I found it, part of my integration that my next uh, step, I believe, was to find a community that supported um, psychedelics, uh, like a psychedelic support group and, and someplace where I could speak about everything that happened and kind of just look for some guidance for people that had um, more experience than I had. So I think I started coming out of that mindset of, oh, psychedelics will save me. And it was like, no, psychedelics will help me become aware. And then I have to save myself. So that's kind of what, what integration really helped with, um, just learning those things from the beginning. So for you, the integration, you didn't end up going back to your therapist, your talk therapist. 
you decided to go to the support group instead and that was, you found that that was more helpful for you? So I was doing both for a little while. I tried. <laughs> I tried going back to my therapist and they, I think my therapist was so far removed, um, didn't understand psychedelics. So there wasn't a psychedelic assisted therapist. It was just, you know, your regular um, run of the mill, you know, private practice specialist, I guess. And I nixed the uh, therapy and, and I still had like, still had a therapist online that I talked to here and there, but I wasn't going face to face with this previous therapist. Um, but I went to, yeah, I found the support group and that just opened up my whole world to m much more understanding and helped me so much more than any therapist could help. Um, but that's my personal story. I don't know if that'll help everyone, but that journey felt like it was my path. I felt like that was perfect for me. So what is, what has changed for you, you know, mm -hmm. since eight years ago, having done your first ayahuasca ceremony, has it changed you? Have you become more spiritual? Um, have you changed your career path? Well, for me, well, the first thing is I had already wanted to transition out of my career path before ayahuasca. I just was lost as to what, where to go next. So after, after ayahuasca, I was very sure that I wanted to get out of that career path and fast. But it wasn't until I started meeting with the support group that I felt compelled to, like after getting my integration help, I felt compelled to actually help integrate myself. So then I started to help people integrate some of the things that were happening with them. My organization is the Psychedelic Sisterhood and it's, in, it's based in Brooklyn. And the event that we have, our cornerstone event is called um, Sister Circle, where you know we gather and talk about psychedelics. And, um, and I found it really important to have a space specifically for women identifying and non-binary. And to have that kind of safe container um, for women to share. It's been an incredible journey doing that from a person that's been like, I don't know what I'll do with my life. I'm going to try this thing in the jungle. So now leading people through their difficult journeys and challenging um, journeys, it's, it's just, yeah, I would have never thought it possible. But you know, what you're doing is such important work because especially, you know, I find that the space, the psychedelic, um, space, especially for therapeutic, you know, use mm -hmm. is um, needs more voices, more diverse voices, more diverse um, perspectives, right, and experiences. Mm -hmm. And I think it's it's just so great that you're that you have this platform and that you um, have this community and that you're building it and that it's continuing to grow. Um, I think it's going to help so many people. I hope so. And uh, the more vocal we can be about healing and making healing a normal thing to talk about and having us talk about vulnerable things openly, I think that we'll be better off 100%. Well, you know, before we kind of uh, close this out, is there anything that you want to share that maybe I did not ask that you think is really important for someone who's listening or watching? I would say to research as much as possible uh, and experiment for yourself because that's the only way I got to where I could be and feel confident in how, you know, how I can operate with different uh, psychedelics is me 
experimenting with different things and not necessarily in a way that's like scary or, you know, too much or out there. But I think, I think I would say less is more. Always start small and because you can't take back, you know, if you take a larger dose, you can't cut it back. You take something small and like, okay, an hour, let's try something else. Then, then, you know, take something more. But um, yeah, experimenting for yourself is everything. And um, make sure you talk to your doctor if you're on medications, because that's important. People don't really think about that. Some some medications may interfere, um, not in a great way, with some things. I mean, I think it's really important for us to for us to stress, because obviously, we're not giving out any medical advice. We're not, you know, saying that you should do any of these things. But I think it's really important to stress that, like you said, for people to really do their research. Mm-hmm. And psychedelics isn't for everybody. I, unfortunately, when I first came back that first ceremony, I was like, everybody needs to know. Now I know so much better. They're not for everyone. (laughs) Not at all. And just like anything, right? Something that could work really well for you and really helped you go through, um, get through a really difficult period in your life Mm -hmm. is so different from somebody else and maybe what their journey is and what Mm -hmm. potentially could help them. So like we cannot stress enough, you know, obviously informing yourself, doing as much much research as possible if you are potentially interested in, you know, using psychedelics um, mm-hmm. for therapeutic use and talking to as many people as possible. And I'm a big believer, you know, spirit, I'm a very spiritual person. I'm a big believer that if it is right for you, that it really will call to you. And I know that sounds That's very okay. woohoo sounds very esoteric but i really believe the right thing will call to you so you will actually be pulled and drawn to a very specific plant medicine and i and i and i'm not the first person like i so many people that i've spoken to have said the exact same thing Mm -hmm. it's funny how that happens and you're like oh should i and then it just keeps coming up you're like all right well i know i got it now (laughs) and i'm a big believer in you know divine timing and that um, mm-hmm. everything is kind of divinely lined up for you mm-hmm. and that you are ready when your soul is ready that it will come to you and mm-hmm. everything will just kind of perfectly land right in your lap to lead you to to wherever you need to go in that in that respect so many more journeys to go on and so much more to talk about I mean we really just scratched the surface mm-hmm. but Thank you so much. I really just, I love this conversation and I can't wait for us to have another one. Thank you, man. It's been a pleasure. It's been really great chatting with you and getting to know you. It's been really wonderful. So uh, again, thank you so much for having me on and I'm excited to be your first guest. And I am so honored to be here and I appreciate everything that you're, you're providing people now. Uh, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Your support means a lot to me. So if you want to hear more, please subscribe, download, and share with friends and family. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. So let me know what resonates for you. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, take care.